Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Are you looking to sell or buy your home or looking for an investment property? Look no further. BlackWealthRenaissance.com offers a free realtor directory with realtors located across the country to help you meet your goals. Just go to BlackWealthRenaissance.com and select Realtor Directory under Resources. That's BlackWealthRenaissance.com and select Realtor Directory under Resources. Do you have bad credit and minimum capital and want to get started in real estate? Hi, we're We're the the Mobile mobile Home home Elite Elite Investors. Our e-course solves all of those problems by giving you all the strategies and secrets to become a successful mobile home investor. Tune in at www.mobilehomeeliteinvestors.com. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to episode 23 of the Black Wolf Renaissance Podcast. The Jartan episode. Okay. It's the Bond episode. <laughs> Your boy, David Bellard, checking in with my co-host, Jalen Clark, and up, Kelly and Jared. How y'all doing? What's good? What's good? How y'all doing? Whoa, nah, what's that with it? Oh, we chilling, man. Feeling great, living good. You know, just I know y'all see us in the studio. Yeah, we got this studio. I'm <laughs> hey, I'm jealous about it. I'm saying, don't be jealous, bro. Why? We'll agree one day. Well, we it's all hard not to be jealous. Studio. You see, you see what's behind me. <laughs> like white people weren't even allowed in the picture. Jeez, <laughs> come on, bro. Oh That's man, but yeah, yeah, man. Uh, this is gonna be another very, very special episode. On this episode, we have with us someone who we've been in contact with. You may have seen on the page once or twice before. Her name is Kiara McClendon. She is the author of Adventures of the Money Mavens. Yeah. It is a financial literacy activity book for kids, and it's just it's something super dope for the culture. So we had to get on here. Kiara, how you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. Thank y'all for having me on here. This is dope. And I, I feel super special because this is the Jordan slash LeBron episode. <laughs> I feel like I got big shoes to fill. No you do, you do. So you got to come through and look. 
Tell her. Just yam one more. Tell her, rip off the gold. <laughs> but now, uh, we appreciate you for coming on the uh, show and coming to talk about what you're doing. No problem. No problem. Okay, so um, the way we start off the episode, can you just tell us like about yourself so you, okay. our audience can know who you are, how you guys started, and um, like kind of what pushed you or persuaded you to say, I want to take this step and become an author of a child's activity book? Sure. So, um, well, like you said, my name is Kiara McClendon. Um, I'm origi- originally, excuse me, from New Jersey, so shout out to the tri-state area. Um, I went to school for communication and Africana studies um, for my bachelor's degree, got a master's in health communication, then got another master's in sport leadership. So I was a person that followed the the mantra that you go to school till you really can't go to school anymore. And then you try to get a good job and live the life that's highly emphasized in school, right? Which is what I wound up doing. I, I, you know, I got a lot of experience in a a number of different areas, um, a number of different fields, worked in entertainment, worked in sports, worked in corporate communication. And um, when I settled into my first full-time job in higher education, um, I realized pretty quickly that the things that they emphasize in school about working and living this quote unquote American dream isn't quite what is cracked up to be. It doesn't really work like that. Most people that are living what we emphasize as the American dream are entrepreneurs or have like the creative freedom and the flexibility to really make a good amount of money without being tied to a number of different corporations. Now that's not me knocking anyone who does work, you know, a corporate job or in higher education or as an educator. Cause I think that that's super important, but I just realized early on, like the salary that they told me I was going to get and the money that I was taking home, was nowhere near a match. So um, I think going into my first few months of that job, I was very like shocked, surprised and frustrated like all at the same time. Like I feel like I went through like different stages of grief until I got to the point of acceptance. Like, okay, this is the, you know, I didn't realize all this money was being taken out for taxes and for healthcare and for, you know, my eye insurance and all this other stuff. So what I was equating to be my bills and and how I wanted to manage my money, I couldn't really meet those goals with the money that I was making from that job. Or if I could, it was just meeting those goals, just paying those bills and having very little um, left off. And then from just that process of being frustrated, I thought to myself, like, I'm also supposed to be figuring out my retirement. I'm supposed to be figuring out how I want to set up my first retirement accounts and you know, I went to HR, they don't know what's going on and they can't really help me. I went to this other guy who worked for this particular company that does retirement management. And obviously he's going to give me biased advice. Like you should sign with us. We can manage your retirement. No problem. But it wasn't, there wasn't a set of, you know, people that I could just survey or set of information that I could just look up to make those decisions. And then when I talked to like my parents, my grandparents, my grandparents are, you know, of the, the era where you get a good job and you work until you can't work no more and you retire, you get social security and your pension and they're doing fine because that worked in that time, but that doesn't work now. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't live off of, if we even get to a point where we'll be eligible for social security once it's time for us to retire, if it's even there anymore. So their advice though good wasn't applicable. My dad's though good wasn't applicable. So I had to figure it out on my own. But I think all of that, that whole process of the first like three or four months, I just was saying to myself, why is it that I don't know these things? Why is it that 
you know, this type of education or this knowledge is not commonplace in our school system. I got all this education, you know what I'm saying? I went and got all these degrees and not once did I take a personal finance class as a requirement. Not once did we have a conversation about retirement or anything like that. And it was just frustrating to me. So I said, well, why are we having these conversations with our children? Why aren't these conversations that we're having early on so that the knowledge of, you know, they understand what money is, but they don't understand how to manage it. What can be done to create the opportunity in a fun, cool, exciting um, way that emphasizes a number of different themes? What, what could I do to, to be a part of the solution versus a part of the problem or just complaining about this being a problem? So I remember sitting on my couch and I took out my iPhone and I opened up like Google Docs and I just started jotting down ideas like, okay, I'm going to write a book. What kind of book is it going to be? Oh, it's going to be a coloring book. Okay, cool. What are the characters going to be? Oh, they're going to all be characters related to money. So I, I made a list of like seven characters and I'm just writing a story, literally typing out the story in my Google Docs, like on my phone. Um, and I called my cousin and I was like, hey, I got this idea. This is what I want to do. He was like, you're a, I don't want to curse on here, but like, you're an effing genius. Like, this is so dope. You should definitely do that. And um, I just took it and ran with it. I, I think as I, once I got into that flow and I was able to like exercise the more creative energy, it just made it super easy to do it. And I'm not trying to oversimplify the process of writing a book because it was not an easy process, but I think just getting an idea on paper and seeing the value in it um, was something that was very, very like easy for me to do. Um, and then I partnered with an illustrator who helped bring the book to life. I started to think about ways that it could become applicable to other cultures. So the books are in English and Spanish throughout the story. Um, I wrote bios for each character. Each character also has like a different family background. So like there's one character whose mom passed away and that's implied in his bio, but it doesn't say that specifically. And he's raised by his dad. So he's in a single parent household. I have another character who, um, her, his parents are immigrants. So he's a first generation American, right? Um, and there's all these other different characters like backgrounds and uniqueness and struggles that they have with money and financial literacy. So, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where, um, I don't know, I wanted to be a part of the solution instead of being a part of the problem, but I also wanted it to be something that could be a part of a legacy um, as well. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's. That's so dope. Like, I love it. Thanks. Uh, I like how you looked at the problem. He was like, how can I come up with a solution instead of saying, man, we ain't gonna never learn this crap. Right. So, uh, applause to that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. It's, it really yeah. was a lot. It was a lot in there that, like, I just wanted to dig at. Uh, one thing in particular that I really wanted to touch on that you had spoke on was uh, you had mentioned about like the advice that the older people gave you. How mm-hmm. while it was the advice, it wasn't good for this time. Right. And I think that's something that like a lot of people need to realize, like the time that we in, like mm-hmm. with entrepreneurship and. The, the absolute necessity for it, because I believe I was listening to something earlier today. It said like wages haven't risen technically since the 60s. Mm-hmm. So it's like, man, if wages hadn't risen since the 60s and we're still getting paid the same. The cost of living is 
like dang near double to triple. Yes. So it's just like you you have to understand the time. You gotta go outside of what that quote unquote American dream was. Right. I know when I I took a personal finance class um, not too long ago, and one of the things that I was learning in the class was about just inflation and how over time like your wages should rise with like just the rate of inflation. So everything else goes up, your wage stays the same. So I calculated like what my wage should have been. And I think I was like seven or $8,000 below that. So just to put that in perspective, like they're not raising my pay the way that it should be just to make ends meet period. Like just to be functional, let alone to live comfortably. So I think that's important. And I think, to your point um i i mean i respect the advice that my elders gave me but i i don't think that we don't have the same sense of stability that they may have had mm-hmm. like everything right now is super volatile in my opinion like at any given moment you could lose your job at any given moment things could just change and that's why it's so important to have your own source of ink or multiple sources of income rather multiple streams of income because Let's say that they just want to cut my whole department tomorrow. What am I supposed to do? You know what I'm saying? I'm not in a unionized job. I got to figure it out. So I think that's, that's one of the many reasons that contributed to this. Okay. I do. It was something that you mentioned because I wanted to talk about it. It was like you went educate yourself and you went take a financial uh, class. Mm -hmm. What was that period? Like, like before you wrote the book, I know you went back and you're like, I need to learn all of this so I can pass it down to the next generation. So what was that like for you? Did you go back to a university or did you just go and take some night classes or something? Mm -hmm. Can you just give us a little background on that? So because I work in higher education um, and I won't speak on that because that's a whole different like professional, you know, Mm -hmm. situation, but I'm able to take classes. And that's one good thing about working in higher education. If you work at a university, a lot of times they'll give you like tuition, remission or things of that nature so that you can take classes and not have to pay for it um, if it's below a certain number. So I was able to take the class for free um, well, for a small fee because I had to pay student fees, but it it was very, very small. And I, 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 did that because I said, I don't want to be someone that's writing a book and putting a book out into the world. And people ask, well, what do you know about personal finance? You know what I'm saying? Or like, what is your background? You're not a, you're not a C, you know, CFP or you're not a, uh, an accountant. You, how do you know? You know what I'm saying? I, I, I previously worked in banking part-time. So I have some understanding of banking, but it was important for me to educate myself beyond even the basics so that I can, you know, speak to that. And I'm still learning. That's the great thing about being in this field, like, or just talking about personal finance in general, like there's always something new that you can learn about. You know, something that's, that's crazy to me, like just the, the, the polar opposites that we like even talked about, even within this episode, is like how you were saying, like, when you were coming at it, you were worried about, you know, I'm worried about being viewed as professional. I'm worried about being viewed as like, how do you know what you're talking about? Right. Mm-hmm. And then we have all these other people that like, like we were just talking about uh, with some of the older generation and how they're a little bit more out of touch. We don't ask them for their certifications. We don't ask them, are you right. a financial planner? We just take their advice. Right. And that's where a lot of the, the, the stuff gets lost in the shuffle and communication. Cause it's just like, Oh, well, my grandparents did this and that's what worked for them. 
right. well, have that same energy that you would have had for, for a Kiara, like, hey, where's your credentials? Like, they, they don't know what's going on with the current time, or they may not, you know, right. they're not with the date. They probably don't know what's going on with the current times, with the current interest rates. At the point when your people telling you they could buy up half the stove for a nickel, Mm-hmm. You probably don't know what's going on there. <laughs> right. You can buy half the stuff for a nickel. What's going on? Right. It might be a little different. Right. That's true. I think that that speaks to a larger issue and like just the what people use as validation for whether somebody's qualified or not qualified to do something. Like we'll speak on just, it. Just because you're a young person, you know what I'm saying, or just because you're mm. like a couple years in the game you know how many people there's like kids on youtube making multiple millions of dollars like i'm i need to ask there's like a four-year-old that just bought a house and she's worth what? like 40 million off of youtube what yeah and like four bro yes, kids watch youtube like different than us kid youtube yes. the future yes so like just thinking about that like i need to go ask her or her parents or whoever's behind her brand like how did you do it because clearly they figured out something that I haven't. I'm not worth forty million. She is, or I, I'm. It might. I might be overstating it, but she's still worth like a couple million. And well, that's, that's, that's still more crazy. than I was worth that yeah. four years old. Right. <laughs> she doesn't right. know that I'm worth. About. I wasn't good for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and you spoke about like how you wrote things down in Google Drive before you started writing and mm-hmm. writing towards your book. Mm-hmm. Like, how long was that process before you did that? So I think. I had the story, like the first draft of the story done, maybe like, so I started writing in like October, November of the year before last, so 2017. And then I think I got a draft done like January. So, and then I started to talk with the illustrator and I, I did I don't I didn't know what I was doing, right? So I didn't have a business first before I started doing this. It was just an idea. And then I filed like my paperwork to become an LLC and then I did, I kind of was learning stuff along the way imperfect while I was doing action. it. You took imperfect action, made it pretty later. Yes. That's one of the key concepts of getting anything done, y'all. You nice. can see what you can do if you just take a step. Mhm. Um and then I think I worked with him and I kind of dragged my feet for a couple months, but then my grandfather passed away last year. Um, and when he passed away, I was like, damn, I got to get this done. Like, cause I had wanted the book to be printed for him to see. Um, and unfortunately he wasn't able to see it, but it was just a huge like catalytic moment for me. Like, yo, you've been sitting on this for so long. You know what I'm saying? And, and you, you're going through this like very big transition in your life just from a family standpoint, like you gotta put this out. So I text the illustrator like, yo, we gotta go now, like next week, like we gotta put everything out, we gotta do this. And he was like, uh, okay, you know, <laughs> um, cause I'm obviously working on his timeline as well as mine. And um, we did, we put it out in October, the first version of the book, the first um, edition of the book series, um, Adventures of the Money Ravens, Money Talks. and it was great, but it also came with a lot of like bumps in the road too. Like I was using a print on demand service. So like trying to get all the specs together to make sure that the book would, could be printed and ordered appropriately. Then because I was writing in English and in Spanish, I had two people help me with the translations, but they weren't, all of them weren't grammatically correct. So I had to work with somebody to redo them um, in the process and try to resubmit and 
it it's, it's looks pretty on the outside, but it's not that pretty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And if you, um, if anyone's been on my Instagram page for the book series, there's a video of me like a couple months back. I was trying to launch my second book on a very specific date and I just couldn't get that date. And I had promised that that date was going to be the launch date. So I made a video and I spoke candidly and I was like, Hey, I know I promised you all this, but here's the reality of the situation. Here's what's going on. The date, I couldn't deliver on a date. And I want to be honest with you because I want y'all to see the process of being a real entrepreneur. Like this is, we set things in motion and it doesn't always go the way we plan it to go. So, um, and I got a lot of positive feedback from that video. Like, thank you for being candid or, you know, like you're being real, like we still support you type thing. So that was important too, but. I mean, overall, it's been a fun process, but I, nothing would have prepared me for this process. But I'm sure you learned so much throughout yeah. that process. Mm-hmm. And now, since you said it's a book series, yeah. after each each time you produce one, it's going to be that much easier. Yeah. So like on your fourth or fifth one, you're just going to be like, okay, look, let's get to this together. Yep. These days, these days. Exactly. It's just going to be, yeah. I had tweeted some shit like that earlier today. Like, uh, like, that's what you do. Like you, you just try it. Like you, you can't just sit here around waiting and talking on it. And I, I'm glad you had said that. Like with the change in your life, how it was that catalytic moment for you. Because I feel like everybody, like has been a general theme. Every person who like has those entrepreneurial thoughts, but it seemed like they just kind of scared to jump off the porch. It always yeah. take that moment, and yeah. we can't run from that moment. A lot of people gotta run toward it because it only gets harder after that. Like it never gets easier. You you got to put that work in. So I'm glad you can do with the people and show that to them because they need to see it. Yeah, no, I, I don't want it to seem like I'm perfect. Like no entrepreneur is perfect like nah. at all. So, and I encourage, like my word of encouragement to anyone who's trying to pursue this is to just, to just do it, right? Like just get out there and do it. And like, obviously don't do anything super crazy without any sort of plan. Like I had some plan in motion it wasn't just like oh yeah i'm gonna quit my job today and just sit here and like put stuff out like i had materials i had conversations with people i had things written down um but still don't be you're never gonna be ready for an opportunity like you you just have to do it you know what i'm saying there's no level of preparation that's gonna prepare you for what is to come because you just are not gonna foresee the little thing the little bumps in the road or things along the way yeah, I think a, I think a lot of people they sit on the on the back end and try to wait for the perfect opportunity to, to get this perfect plan so I don't have to face adversity. But to me, that's what really makes a true entrepreneur. It makes you a great entrepreneur is how you handle that adversity because adversity is just going to come. You just have how you handle it is really going to make who you are. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. So I got a question. Whenever you were writing, did you eventually find like a mentor on your way or you just learned everything like just by yourself? So I just learned everything by myself. Hey. Um, so and and it's crazy because like I I think mentorship is super important, right? But I didn't I didn't I couldn't find someone that I felt was genuinely interested in mentoring me. And like that's not to knock anyone else because I understand like you know, people are busy and they have things going on that may take precedence over trying to teach somebody else how to do something. But I, I really learned it all on my own. Like, I'll tell you the story real quick of my trademarking process. 
So okay. I didn't hire a lawyer to do my trademark application. I did it myself. And it's pending, so I got my fingers crossed that it'll go through and everything will be fine. But um, I didn't have the money, right? But I had YouTube. You know, I had the internet. So I was like, bro, I'm going to sit here with this application, with this video, and I'm going to look back and forth and figure it out, right? And now if, the, if it doesn't go through because of something I did wrong, then – and, I mean, it's, it's, in, it's in the process of being reviewed by, like, whoever has already filed a trademark. If they want to contest my trademark, they can. So it's, it's reached the, like, last stage before being accepted, before going from the trademark symbol to the registered trademark symbol. So I'm just waiting on that. But still, like, in the process, I was nervous. Like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to be wasting this, this money to file it. But I also don't have $2,500, $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 to hire a lawyer to help me with this process. So, um, you know, I really just was like, I'm going to just figure this out on my own. I love it. You don't let your situations dictate where you're going to go. You just like, let me get in it. Let me put my boots on and just figure it out. I'm going to work at it. Mm-hmm. And I think, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you can go. You can go. I was going to say, my, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, like my grandfather, not the one that, well, he also has passed, but not the one I was referencing earlier. He ran a, his own business out of his house. So he had a two-family home, ran a business on one side and lived on the other side. And, you know, I never really understood that growing up, like how powerful that is as a black man to really be housing your family in your house and, and, and really creating your own legacy. Like it, it was affiliated with his name and everything. So like that's like McClendon, the business was called C. McClendon and Sons. So like that's C. McClendon and Sons business, you know what I'm saying? Growing up yeah. and looking at that and being like, damn, you're really doing it. You know what I mean? And like, I didn't appreciate it the same way I do now, but I know now, like if he could do it with like way less resources and no internet and all that, like I can do it, you know? So you say you come from entrepreneurship, like, what type of effect did that have on you as a child then, like growing up? Um, were you ever like trying to sell stuff or would you be riding around with your grandpa and be like, ooh, grandpa, how can I make some money too? Or uh, were you just like one of those kids that just was like, mm, kind of timid and just watched? So I would ask him to teach me. So I like, even though I don't technically work with my hands, like the job that he had was working with his hands because mm-hmm. he would create like, dentures for people who didn't have teeth so it was a very interesting experience it's very interesting but i would watch him like go to so he would partner with a number of different like dental offices in our area in different towns so i would always i didn't always like to go with him but i would go with him and like see like oh he's got a partnership and he's taking cases from dr so-and-so or he's going to this town and getting work from this guy and like listen to him and, and watch him and have and sit there and look at what he was doing. Like, you know, dang, this is kind of cool. Like at, I was so young. He wanted passive when I was like, I think I was in college, but he had stopped working around the time I was 14. So it wasn't like I had a long enough time to really like get into the logistics of his business, but watching him do that made me want to like work with my hands or, you know, do certain things that most kids don't have the ability to see, you know, growing up. I think for me, I just always knew like money was important 
or like money was at the forefront of a lot of the conversations because his business was right there and he was living on the other side. And then my grandmother was a, a manager of a bank for like 20 years, like the biggest bank in her town. And like just having those ties to money, I knew money was important. I just didn't know all about the management side of it. And it's crazy that that they were doing those things that they didn't pass that down. And I don't know if it was because maybe they didn't know how to articulate that or even if they really just knew the full details of how to manage money. Right. I think it's crazy because like, even though my grandfather had his own business, the conversations he would always have with me is like, you're a very bright young lady. You should go to college and become a doctor or a lawyer. Right. So like, even though he took a risk and like his risk was paying off or as far as I know, the conversation was still like, you should go this way because this is the way that's being emphasized. I never wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer. You know what I'm saying? Like that just wasn't for me. And that's no fault to anyone who is. I just knew like I have too big of a personality and I don't want to sit behind a desk all day and like not get out and about and converse with people and help people and mentor people. So for that, I don't, I don't knock it. You know, that's at that time, that's who was making the most money, right? The doctors and the lawyers. Yeah. But like looking at him, it's like, you were successful, you know, like I admire more of what you were doing than what you were necessarily emphasizing with good faith or in good reason. But like, I'd rather be like you. (laughs) So I'm very, very glad you mentioned that too. Like the whole, you know that that narrative of pushing y'all to college. We had we actually had an episode on that, like on our first one, like uh, episode four, I believe. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's really something I want to get into because I know off camera we spoke about student loans and all that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, I know a lot of us, we all four of us here, we went to college. We, you know, we we went through the process. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we talk about student loans, but we don't talk about is the lifestyle college was able to afford us. So yes. do you think college is worth it? Hmm, that's an interesting question considering the fact of what I told you I do full time. But um <laughs> I think college is worth it for the reasons that college doesn't emphasize. So college is worth or some process of being away from home, living on campus and educating yourself, that's worth it in terms of your growth and development. Like I wouldn't be the person I am today if I didn't get out of my comfort zone and the environment in which I grew up and have met other people. Now, did I need to go to school for six years? Maybe not, you know what I'm saying? But I also don't regret it. I don't regret it because I would not have become the person I am today if I didn't do it. I think people need to be smarter about how they use college. If you're gonna go to college, then you need to not charge up all these damn student loans and be taking trips to DR and Puerto Rico on spring break and taking extra student loans and student loans advances. Because I went to school with people and I get it, you're trying to live your best life in college, whatever. But they would take extra student loans, go on a trip to the Dominican Republic or somewhere, Costa Rica, something, and then not realize, y'all do understand that you're paying for that trip like 10 times over now because you want the beef. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Flossy and fly in college, and then you're leaving school with $100,000 worth of student loan debt, $150,000 worth of student loan debt. So I think people need to be smarter about it. Like use, be more practical in a way that you network while you're in college and some of the majors that you choose. Like, I'm not saying that you can't go to school and major in whatever you want to, but if you're going to major in something that's super specific, you need to network better so that when you leave college or take advantage of internships, job shadowing, all the other offices on campus that people don't usually go to and get help from, like college is a billion dollar business, right? So knowing that you need to get a billion dollars worth out of of your education or as, as close to it as you possibly can. So I don't, I don't think that it's, if you're going to go to college, you need to be smart about it. Do I think it's necessary for you to be successful? No, because it depends on how you define success. I think, I think it's one of those, those are like grass is greener issues. kind of like going back to what we were talking about with like uh, some of the older generations. Mm-hmm. I think it was one of those situations where it was like, well, I had to work hard all my life. Everybody that was over me, you know, they, they had an education or they had been to college or stuff like that. So like, if I see somebody like you and they like, or well, if they see somebody like you and they're like, Hey, you're young, you're bright, go to school, you know, because they think like, Hey, this will be, that's the, that's the advantage that I didn't have. So let me make sure that you got it. And then right. so you much further ahead. But it's like, I don't feel like a lot of people, and I guess that's more so the issue is like, they know that might be the direction, but yeah. nobody's explaining that the game, you know, nobody's saying like, hey, you probably need to go in there and get you some internship. Yeah. Hey, you go in there and look at these majors, you know, like the different ways to basically strategize and make it like maximize your ROI. Right, right, exactly. And I think too, like everybody's not going to want to be, nor can they be a successful entrepreneur, right? And I'm not saying that, as like a multimillionaire myself, I'm just saying like there's some people who should go to college to be a doctor. Like I don't want a doctor to not go to college. I'm not trying to go to your office and you don't know what you got, what you're doing, uh-huh. you know. But <laughs> right, so you just gotta know that you gotta know what is your passion, what drives you, and how can you like make sure that you're getting the most out of your college experience so that it catapults you into being successful, however you define success, whether that's monetary success, whether that's like, well, I've started my own business, whether that's I've touched like thousands of lives, whatever that looks like for you, that should be what you're asking yourself versus like, do I need to go to college? So I, I got a question kind of following off what you said. So you, uh, I, I agree. Everybody isn't made to be an entrepreneur. Everybody's not meant for the, the headaches, the, the same stuff like what you was talking about earlier, being willing to just bump your head against the wall until you figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with that being said, my other question is, do you think everybody should at least own assets? Because that was kind of the other thought that I had. I was like, maybe everybody might not be meant to be an entrepreneur, but everybody should at least have a good understanding of assets and liabilities and own some assets. Yes. So kind of piggybacking on the topic of going to college, just because you go to college, that should not. And just because you're taking five, six classes a semester, that shouldn't be the only way you're educating yourself. Mm. So I think you need to take like if we just allow public education or, or collegiate education to be our only source of education, we would not be intelligent like world in terms of worldly intelligence we wouldn't we wouldn't have the level of intelligence that's needed to be successful to own assets to 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 minimize the liabilities that we have so yes i 100 percent agree with you and i don't think it's rocket science either right like if you can learn physics 
and calculus and all that stuff, you can figure out how to invest. You can figure out the stock market. You can figure out, you know, cryptocurrency. Like there are people that, and I, I'm not trying to, you know, disrespect anyone, but there are people with maybe half of the level of formal education as those who went to college that are doing very well with crypto investing. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's because they learned or they experimented or they tried um, to figure it out. And, and those aren't the only assets that you can own, like real estate, getting into real estate, figuring out what, what that is or figuring out how that could work for you. I'm not real, you know, well-versed in Forex, but I know that's a big thing too. Like people figuring out the, the Forex process. So, I mean, I don't know. It, 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 I agree. You, you should definitely own assets. I think college is one of those things that for me, it was now that I've been through it, I know I, I, if something, somebody puts something in front of me, I know I can learn it. Mm -hmm. That was one of the biggest things for me. I, I feel like I can learn anything if I put my mind to it. Mm -hmm. And that's why one of those things where I, I, can, I don't regret it. Right. Going, right. Well, I like that. Okay. So I have another question too. Since you're in higher education, how do you feel about like some of the people that offer like courses of like, like the teachable courses or whatever. So mm -hmm. say they want to teach certain specific. They'll uh, teach you graphic design yeah, or like teachable like or they'll you show you how that, to build a website. Yeah. Do you think that's like worth it or in some people that don't want to go to college, do you think that they should invest mm -hmm. more into that yeah. or like, do they, should they go to like a trade school or something like that? I think that it's all great. You know what I'm saying? Like, going to tra my cousin went to trade school to become an auto mechanic and like i respect it because that's not something that they teach at a four-year institution nope. you know so and we need them i can shit i don't know how to fix my own car excuse me but i like i have no idea. <laughs> you so like i i need we need mechanics we need those who you know pick up a trade we need the welders we need the the construction workers etc but and then as far as those like interior design graphic design website building classes like i respect it as long as you're given the person who's created the course is given quality information and not just trying to like hustle somebody or make money off of like information that's not entirely true i i respect it and if you don't have the money to go to college but you have the money to get a certification or to take a course and to like demonstrate your skills after taking those courses i respect that as well I don't, again, like some people, college is an investment in and of itself, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to talk about investing, right? The return on your investment for some is not as much as what you're shelling out or as much as what you're taking on in terms of the debt and the liability that college has. So you just have to know what you're willing to invest in. Are you willing to take out, you know, 10, 20, 30, all the way to a hundred, $200,000 in loans if the answer is no, can you pay for this class and learn the trade that you want to learn or learn the skill that you want to learn? So I respect it. And I think that the media kind of pushed away trades. And I, I'm going to just say this speaking for myself. I feel like that that's where a lot of the value in the black community was lost because a lot of people, they don't, we don't have too many people that do trades anymore, like plumbers or people that will do pipe fitting and electricians and stuff like that. That's, money that's going to be made though like a lot of people don't look at those jobs as being lucrative jobs but i know some electricians that's they killing it they making money uh people that's throwing up roofs they get to work at six o'clock in the morning they're done by like two or something but they're still clearing a hundred thousand dollars a year 
Yeah. And that, that always goes back to that needs-based business argument. Yeah. As, at the end of the day, like, you got to f- put yourself in a space. And, like, I think a lot of times when we say needs-based business, people think about a lot of, like, the hard labor. But mm-hmm. you just got to put yourself in a space where people would find it, like, they need you. They get no, I'm trying right. to find a better word. but Right. Shit. No, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, no, they, they I need get it. You. Yeah. I mean, even, like, a barber, right? Yeah. Like, being a barber or a hairstylist, like, in the black community, whether we want to say it's a need or not, it's a need. This one is definitely a need. Shit, like, I need a barber nah. right. <laughs> what, I don't, whatever do it out of barber. Right. So <laughs> even that, I think people get caught up in the, the glamour and the glitz and what they feel is like a, a good living, right? Yeah. Like social media is a great tool if you use it the right way, but it's a terrible tool if you are impressionable and you allow it to influence you in a negative way. Like, I don't care if you're a plumber, as long as you enjoy what you're doing, or if it's not a passion of yours, but you're good at it, and you use that to help you get to something that you will enjoy doing, um, or if it helps you to create a stable lifestyle for yourself, like, who cares? That's the same thing with, like, the argument of being a garbage man or garbage woman. Now, I know that I personally wouldn't want to work in sanitation. That's just me. I don't, I don't think I can handle that, but I like more respect to, right. (laughs) More respect to people who do because they, and they make good money. I've heard like sanitation workers make more money than teachers, which is a whole nother issue, but it's crazy. I just, that's my, I guess my, you ain't never heard that before. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a thing. That's like a proven fact, bro. But my only you, you remember that from, you know, I, I just took a teacher job. It's just jokes though. No, I'm happy to be a teacher. This should be lit. But I think the only thing I don't like out of it is like the lack of education or the lack of the, the education for the opportunity. You know, like everybody knows Everybody and their mama know how much teacher, I mean, excuse me, how much doctors make. They know lawyers make a lot of money. They know all these other professions that make a lot of money, but it's like, we don't really highlight some of the other ones uh, that do make a lot of money or, you know, different avenues that you can go through there. It's like, that's not the only way that you can make six figures a year. I have a question though, because I know some people that are interested in like putting out books, you know, some people that have even gone as far as like writing some chapters, but they don't know anything about the publishing process. So can you like speak to how, how does that go? And I heard you mention you had a, a illustrator earlier. Yeah, so like, how, how did you even do that? Was that just Google local illustrators or like, how, how did that go? So he was in my, my network of friends. Like I actually kind of knew of him beforehand. Um, one of my coworkers had introduced me to him and he's just a super creative person. Um, mm. So and shout, shout out to Troy. Troy Lopes is his name. I try to, look at his Instagram and, and give him a shout out too so people can see, but he's like super creative in every possible digital film type of way. So I, I kind of already knew him and I approached him with the idea and he was like, absolutely, this is awesome. Um, and we just worked really hard on it um, to, to get the illustrations done. Um, and, but as far as the publishing process, a lot of the information that I found was through research. So if you go on YouTube, YouTube is a is like a digital catalog of em- endless information. University. Right, right. So like you people make millions of dollars off of information that they find on YouTube. You just have to like, don't just pick one video. You might have to watch 10, 20 videos on the same thing to make sure the information is consistent. But that's what I did. Like I looked at self-publishing versus traditional publishing. And, you know, how do you 
which makes the most sense for what avenue. Traditional publishing, you're obviously publishing through an established company, but they also take a percentage of your book sales. And there's, you know, a fee that you have to, to pay to sign with the company and just all this other stuff. And I just knew I didn't want to do that. Ownership through and through 100% was my goal. Like I okay. wanted to own everything and I still want to own everything. So, <laughs> so for me, I didn't want to go the traditional route. So I went the self-publishing route. Um, and then looking into different platforms. So there's a lot of different ones. Like Amazon has one. I think there's one Lulu's. Um, and figuring that out, like you just have to pay attention to detail. Like, what type of distributing do you want? Do you want domestic distributing and international distributing? Like, if so, which company are you going to go with? Are you going to use more than one company to diversify the the services that you use? Like, it it's one of those things where um, I would just encourage them to reach out. And if you don't know somebody who's done it, you can ask me. I'll, I'll, that, cause that's something that we mentioned earlier. Like I didn't have a mentor, um, but I'm open to helping people, um, with the process of publishing so they can reach out to me, but using YouTube, doing the research online, because I'm not the first person to do it this way. You know, I'm just a person that went through the process and did the research and like did trial and error and can speak to my experience of what worked and what didn't. Um, I would tell them to also look into, as I said, ownership was my main focus. And I was always very like skeptical in a positive way when it came to business. So like, how do I protect myself at all costs? So that means I need to have a copyright that's registered. I need to have a trademark that's registered. I need to have a business and figure out how my business is structured so that if, if a lawsuit came about, which hopefully it never does, but how am I protected? Like I always wanted to protect my intellectual property and the integrity of my ideas. So like, that's important too. Like, it just depends on what you, what you're doing it for. And you have to be willing to put money into the process too, right? Like trademarking is not, depending on what your financial situation is looking like, it's not, it's not a cheap process. You know what I'm saying? Copywriting, what people don't know is technically when you write something, you own a copyright of that anyway. Filing a copyright application is just to enforce that. So like, learning all those things. That's just something that I learned as I did the research. Um, I filed my trademark application the wrong way the first time. And I, I have a small mark, which I don't even really know what that is. I just know it wasn't what I registered for, or like what I intended to register for. Um, so it, like, it was like a $60 mistake, but it was $60 that I won't be able to get back, you know? Right. So you just have to, you got to be smart about that too. I like that theme like throughout everything which you that you've been telling us is like resilience and willingness mm -hmm. willingness to educate yourself like it's mm -hmm. like i don't know it i'm gonna go figure it out i'm gonna go to youtube somebody done figured it out before you know what i'm saying and resilience just like i lost 60 dollars. i'm gonna keep pushing you know what i'm saying like i don't know how to do this i'm gonna keep pushing like it's right right yeah i mean i i think that because of the nature of the work that I do full time, a lot of what I emphasize is resilience. And like my whole life has been about that just personally. So I never want to give up, nor do I want anyone that I know that looks up to me to give up either. And I never want them to see like, okay, there's a brick wall in front of me, but did you look to the left and the right to find another way? Is there a crawl space underneath that wall? Is there some way that you can overcome this obstacle? So like, that's huge for me. And for us as black people, like we're naturally resilient. 
which is something that is scary to a lot of people. Um, other cultures, other, you know, people on the outside looking in, like we don't even, half the time I feel like we don't even scratch the surface of our full potential. Like mm-hmm. we just kind of play, play around with it instead of really going for it. So like, again, not, not to go off on a tangent, but I just think it's important to, to realize that too. Like you can persevere through it. You can be resilient. You can push through. You just got to believe in yourself. I want to jump down the rabbit hole. I want to jump down that rabbit hole. Yeah, I I think that's something that we need to touch on. Okay. So I personally feel like, and I feel like all of us agree, that Black people as a whole move culture forward. Like, not just American culture, not just, I'm talking world culture in general. Everything, you know. (laughs) You said something. Hey, hey, I'm just saying, you know, (laughs) Africa the motherland. A (laughs) lot of things stem from there. And the more you begin to, oh, shout out to the shirt. But, uh, before, before you begin to like, you know, really understand and like, like grow as an entrepreneur, especially as an African-American, I think it's very, very important that we understand that, that power that comes with that. Like a lot of people think it's just jokes, like, and like, we just trying to uplift ourselves when we say kings and queen, we come from kings and queens and right. like Africa is the, the, the holy land, the motherland. But it's really power in that. Whenever you have that uh, that knowledge of self, mm-hmm. I think it's so much. It makes it so much easier to become that entrepreneur that you want to be. Right. So I can I can speak to this too. Like, I went through a period of time where I just felt mm-hmm. like a lot of my creativity and just like personal greatness was stifled, or was just put into a box. And I've never been a person that liked to be put into a box or allowed myself to be put into a box. Right. So, it just was. I just, I had to remember who I was, if that makes sense. Like I had mm-hmm. to remind myself like, yo, you're talented and it doesn't matter the circumstance that you're in right now. Like you can do something beyond that. Like don't let this circumstance limit your view as to what can go on beyond that or what can go on like, or what you can create for yourself. And I think a lot of times as black people, we get into situations, whether you know, you're in the hood or you're in the suburbs or you're wherever you don't see um, a way out of a circumstance that can be a tough circumstance. You know what I'm saying? You don't see a lane created for you. You may be the first person to do this in your family. You may be the first person to do this period. And like we, we operate off of fear or we don't operate based off of fear. Like I'm not going to take this risk or I'm not going to move forward. or I'm not going to go for it because I'm afraid or I'm not 100% sure that I can do this. So I'm just not going to do this. And I think that in history, like, our culture has never been, well, we've been fearful, but I feel like we've always tried to push past that. And so, like, that's the difference for entrepreneurs today. Like, you can be afraid, but you're going to be broke and afraid. So, like, do you want to push beyond the status of being broke or do you want to push beyond the status of not living the life and the legacy that you want? If so, you just got to do it. And you have to, you know, surround yourself around people who think that you can do it or will push you to be better than yourselves. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of things, but I think that we just have to do a better job of not allowing ourselves to be boxed in to what society says as black people, as women, as men, whatever, you know, other identifiers we identify with that we can't get beyond that box. Who needs an alarm in the morning? When McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. And a breakfast cutoff. 
Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And I, got, and I have a question for you. So do you feel like the solution for that is like how you deal with the book is to take it to the kids and educate kids on how we can find solutions for this? Right. I think that the solution is to educate everybody. But I think that the kids are a great p- place to start because they're super impressionable, right? Like they don't, I don't, it sounds bad and I'm not trying to take advantage of kids, but like kids don't know any better. They only know what you model for them, right? So if you model bad behavior or if you model like bad spending habits or if you, you don't teach them, you know, quality information and you just put nonsense out there, that's what they're going to learn. But if you make, if you're intentional in saying like, okay, I want to teach you how to manage your money. I want to teach you not only how to manage your money, but I want to teach you about, you know, creating your own process of making money. Um, I want to teach you how I became an author. I want you to see that I'm, you know, I look young. I'm, I'm not, I'm much older than you, but I'm not, you know, 60 years old and I'm doing this. You can do this too. And maybe even younger than me, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe with, with, if you start now at, at seven, Maybe by the time you're 17, you'll have a, a solid business, you know? Um, so I think that that's, that's important. I love it. And that's actually what I was going to get on earlier. So about you talking to the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen on your page that, you know, you post where, you know, you'll take your book and go out, read. I'm guessing you're going out to read and talk to them about it. How has that journey been for you? And like, I'm trying to see what's the question. How has that journey been and what have you gained from teaching the kids and being able to connect with the kids on that level? Sure. So, I mean, I've, I've had processes where I'll go out and read with the kids. I've actually partnered with a couple of like outside brands. So like that's been a great process, but all in all, I think the, the most rewarding thing for me and the thing that energized me the most was to have the, the things that I was teaching them stick. So like, there was one situation where I was educating a fourth grade class and I remember the last day of our curriculum like workshops me saying okay you buy what you blank before what you blank and the whole class was like you buy what you need before what you want and like you know having kids echo that or like before you leave like please are you gonna come back next year like I like learning about this I want you to come back like things like that and knowing that it's a thirst for knowledge is what I love to see, especially when we're talking about going into areas where kids often get written off as like, well, you're in this neighborhood, so you're never going to be, or you're not smart enough to learn this. Like people think that you got to have a PhD to learn about money or investing or, you know, making good financial choices. Like you definitely don't. And I think going in there and teaching them that, Read and and then even for older kids, you know what I'm saying? Like kids asking questions. I spoke to a you know um, a high school in New Jersey, and they're like, "So how do we invest? Or how do we? How should I you know get get a budget together? Like I'm about to go to college in a couple of years. Like what does that look like? The ha- the seeds being planted, and now even if I never you know, go back and present for them again, which I believe we're, we're in the works of, of figuring that out and, and, and figuring out how I can come back. But even if I didn't, like that seed has been planted for them. And now it's our responsibility to water that. Their responsibility, but ours to also help them water that. That's dope. Uh, I appreciate you for doing that for the up and coming generation. No problem.
wanted to throw in, like I thought just like the concept of it in general is really cool to me because like I know one thing that like we were really big on when we first started the page and we're first starting to learn about like different um financially liter uh, financial literacy like topics. Mm-hmm. Uh one thing that we were saying was like, dang, we wish we knew about this earlier. And even like something that we spoke to earlier in the episode was how a lot of people are like, you know, there's no set up education for this. Mm-hmm. And I love how like you came in and we're just like okay, cool. Well, I'll teach people and especially I'll teach the kids. Yeah. And like, I feel like that's cool because now like they have that basis to go off of for the yeah. future. Well, yeah, thank you. I mean, I think <laughs> that, you know, I just wanted, it's never too early to educate kids on it, right? So like the first book that I wrote, I wrote it with the intent for it to be kid, for kids ages three and up, right? Because kids three and up color, mm-hmm. right? So you can buy the book just as a coloring book for them. But then you, there's, in each book, there's a set of pages that are like what we call the Maven's money or the Maven's books. So they're like its own play money that kids can use and like activities can be incentivized and, you know, mm-hmm. little things around the house or at school can be used. So like you, you behave well, you get a, a Maven's dollar and this helps you to save to get to 20. And if you get to 20, then you get an ice cream cone or something. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But things like that. Or, you know, let's save these these mavens dollars and and try to convert it into real money and go on a family vacation or let me show you how this simulates you saving for college one day or for saving for your business or whatever it looks like um so that's the first one that's why i made that at a younger age and then the second one is a little more advanced because it covers like multiplication and division and like job readiness and taxes and all that um but it's not too early to talk to kids about that like it's not too early to say these are conversations that we need to have. And this is a fun way to do it. Like the second book also has a part in the back. That's the adult section. So mm-hmm. adults can like look at how they can itemize their like fixed expenses, variable expenses, investments, and make their own goals. So while the kids are learning and while they're going through that as a family, they can also learn too. Um, so I, I wanted it to be a, a family experience a family doesn't just mean in a household like it can be in a classroom as well or after school program church whatever that looks like but i i wanted it to be a fun cool way to to really change the narrative and change our conversations about generational wealth and the creation of generational wealth for our people yeah it's definitely great because that was my thing is i i was thinking about was like what if a, a parent doesn't know how to teach their their, their kids about budgeting and saving because they never done it themselves it could be intimidating right. um, for them to try to teach somebody and for you to have it in the back of the book for them to learn is also is really really great thank you everybody to learn, you know that's really really great thank you yeah i mean i think the from between the first book and the second book i just wanted to make the first book even better and um i think they're both great obviously i'm biased <laughs> but i think adding the adult piece really makes it a family or like a, a comprehensive learning process, like everybody can learn this. I think that's cool too, because then like, then you know how that disconnect, like what we were talking about earlier, where it's like, okay, well, I understand programming and how it's important and this, that, and the third for society currently, but you don't, you know? So it's like, with them, it's like, now they, now both parties will understand finance. Both parties will understand budgeting, you know? Right. When you say to the kids like, hey, uh, that's not in the budget this month or that's not in the budget this week, they might actually understand what you're talking about now. You know what I'm saying? Instead of all of us just knowing we got food at home. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think 
too, like, it's, it's interesting to hear kids, like the kids that I work with go back home and be like, I talked to my parents about you coming to my class. And like, we talked about a budget. And I asked my parents, do you know, do you have a budget? And the cool part about that is a lot of them said that their parents were receptive to it. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, what I always wor- worried about was if their parents weren't. Cause you know, I like, wanted to ask you that too. I wanted to ask if you ever get like some backlash from parents, like what you teaching our kids? This ain't real. This ain't right. Right. So the, I, I haven't had any backlash yet. The cool thing about it is when I did my, so I did a, a workshop for a fourth grade class and it was a four week workshop and I would come in two days a week. I taught 50 kids by myself, um, just budgeting, saving and like, basic principles for financial literacy but before we even started that i gave them a letter to bring home to their parents like a custom letter that i made written as one of the characters that said hey this is what your child's going to be learning about so that you knew me coming in as a guest lecturer or instructor this is what's going on and so they had a place to ask questions if they had any questions mm-hmm. um, just to involve them in the process and i that's going to be a standard for me regardless of if it's you know, a second grade class or, you know, a seventh grade class, whoever I'm teaching, I want the parents to know what's going on. And um, as I continue to expand the ways that like the Adventures of the Money Mavens brand is reaching people, I also want to make sure that I'm keeping parents in the loop or, you know, giving homework assignments, for example, or putting content online to where parents can go with their children and sit down and do the little activities together. Um, because I think that the, I'm a model or a role model to that child for the however long I'm there in their classroom or with their after school program or, or whatever it is. Um, but the parent is a model for the rest of their life, for the life up until that point and for the rest of their life. So if they can involve themselves in a the conversation together, then what I'm saying, like, early, like I said earlier, is a seed that's being planted, but the parents are helping to water it. Right, right. That's dope. Do you ever do anything where you do parents and children together? So I haven't done that yet, but I'm really pushing for that. I want, that's something that I really, really want to do, like a mommy and me or a daddy daughter class. That's, um, that'll be great. I, I definitely, yeah. yeah. Let us know about that. Okay. You yeah, got for no sure. kids to bring, but yeah. Let us know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll put it on black. <laughs> I appreciate it. I think the biggest thing for me too, is like, I want to get out to like more cities and and involve myself in, in more programs elsewhere but it's all about the right partnerships and people saying like yeah we can afford to bring you out here or if we can't afford to like fly you out maybe we can afford to pay for this class because as much as I would love to be able to do all this stuff for free I'm just I can't and that's not like true entrepreneurship means that you can't do things for free all the time and nope. really starting out doing things for free, though it may help you, it like it helps you initially, but hurts you in the long run. Because then people start to use it as a crutch, like, oh, right. you did it the other time. Right. But like, no, that was one freebie. That's all you get. Right. You have to make that clear too, whenever you are starting out like, yeah, I'll do it to provide some value for you. But the next time, like, you gotta pay for my I'm service. gonna need you to run me that. Because right. I want you to, and whenever you do do that, you need to provide excellent service and value. So they'd be like, I don't mind paying for this. Right, exactly. I've heard people too say like, well, once you say your price, your price is your price and you don't lower it for anybody. 
and I don't know where I'd be interested to hear where you all stand on that because I think there are a lot of people that say like that's a cocky way of going into a business deal but would they think that that was cocky if you are a millionaire or if you were a different color you know what I'm saying I don't I don't know if people would look at it the same way I agree with it because just like yesterday or whatever somebody was like hey can y'all promote us on our, on your page and like since we monetize we're like you know we we don't really give too much freebies mm-hmm. but they're like you know y'all not helping out the culture or whatever and it kind of had me it kind of like said a little you spark in me. You yeah okay. i, like, I kind of got upset i was like bro like the things that we are doing is to help propel the community forward and right. i'm like the reason we're charging is to teach group economics because the money that we're making we're fueling it right back into the platform to make it bigger and better so mm-hmm. that five ten years from now you'll be like damn they really are really giving back to the community. You'd right. be like, damn, this started on Instagram? That's how I'm trying to have you yeah. feeling. Like, right. like, damn, this, wait, what? <laughs> but right. to answer your question earlier, I don't think it's cocky at all. No. I think that it really just depends on what you determine your value is. Because mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, you may have seen the meme around, you, you're responsible for your price, mm-hmm. not their budget. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't think that it should be a thing like, yeah, you know, you might have a little extra inventory. You might want to run a sale occasionally. But I feel like whenever you set your price and you know your value, that determines who it, where your market is. Because I know a lot of times, just going back to speaking on just the community, I know like a lot of times in the communities that we're in, we often expect, we expect a lot for a little from mm-hmm. our community. So that's just, not only is it like disrespecting the entrepreneur and their value, but it's just doing us a disservice altogether because right. if you don't spend that money with me, where are you going to spend it? Right. Outside of the community. And right. that's part of the problem. And so, you don't ask them for a discount. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And I think I had tweeted that one day on Twitter. I was like, y'all don't ask Walmart for a discount. People's like, yeah, actually I, I do. I do. And I, I get like, it too. Ooh, face I was ass. like, yeah, get your <laughs> ass up out of here. Right. No, but that's real. Like, the friends that ask you for a discount or the friends like that don't want to support, like support isn't just monetary support. Right. But to me as an entrepreneur, if you're an entrepreneur and you're in a group of entrepreneurs, the best type of support that you can get is monetary support. Mm -hmm. If you can afford to provide monetary support, like a repost is great. You know, a, a, a shout out on social media is great, but we need money to fuel a business. Right. And that's what it, that's what, is so important about paying full price or, and like my books, the first book is $14.99. The second book is $19.99. Right. And I, when I first was doing my pricing, I was like, I wonder if this is too much for the book, blah, blah, blah. The second book is 120 pages long mm-hmm. of like interact, like activity, yeah. original design, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, that's not too much. And if someone thinks it is too much, then they don't need to buy the book. And I, again, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just oh. saying, like, we worked hard on this. And nice. this is a product that like, is a quality product. So You took months to prepare, to research, to invest in yourself and invest in the material that you're putting out. So, of course, I feel like your price is your price. But I also can say, you can't be putting out bullshit as quality or this being, like, 
I can't say like your first book because you know books you have to prepare. Or like this, you're just jumping into it and you want to charge an extreme extreme amount. You go, you want yeah. people to pay you three hundred dollars. Like for this, your first graphic two. design, and you want people to pay two hundred and fifty dollars for stick figures and shit. No, you can't. Right. Or that's like people think like okay. One really big inspiration for me and, and for a lot of people, especially right now, is Nipsey Hussle, right? So people yeah. want to look at his whole, like, well, I, char- I charge like a thousand, what was it, a hundred dollars? A hundred dollars. A hundred dollars for a mixtape. That was not that man's first mixtape. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Two, he had that whole city on lock and the whole city behind him before he decided to go ahead and charge that amount of money for that mixtape. Like, so it's not like I'm coming out the gates like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to charge $100 for a book. Like, no, I know I did research. You know what I'm saying? Look at what is a comparable book. Like, how much are other activity books charging? How much are other companies charging? Is it, is, does it make sense? Because this is an original, like, design, I can charge a little bit more than maybe, like, a Scholastic who has, like, tens of thousands, 20,000 books out there. So that's important too like looking at him he went about it the way that he went about it and that set the standard on how he valued himself and how he valued his product but he also wasn't that wasn't the first one so i i want to piggyback off that because like and and answer the question <laughs> as far as the what you call it uh or excuse me as far as the question i think it like it's what, what what value you bring to it like what value you bring to the table and i, I think that's a major thing like what you said with nipsey like he already had established, put the work in and put the grind in to build up that value. So it's like, you can price yourself however you want to, in my head, you can price yourself however you want to price yourself, but it's based off of how much value are you bringing and do you actually know what you're talking about? You know what I'm saying? Like, if it's somebody who's been doing something and they're extremely successful at it, I expect you to charge me a higher price because of the fact that your time costs more. Because of the fact that I'm dealing with you nine times out of 10, I'm probably going to get better results or more guaranteed results because you know what you're doing already. Mm-hmm. And then the other second thing that I want to throw in there, uh, I know we do give college a little bit of bad flack from time to time, but one thing I did learn in class um, that I think a lot of like African-American people need to understand is economies of scale. Mm-hmm. Basically, when you start out doing business, it is the most expensive that your business is going to be. It gets Speak cheaper as you go. So with that being said, it's like the, a tweet that I saw the other day. Guy was saying like, uh, "I'm not about to pay all this money for your T-shirt that only costed you three dollars uh, to print on. You know, you you pay three dollars for the shirt and then two dollars to print on." Mm-hmm. Well, Nike actually pays less than that. Mm-hmm. But the reason that Nike can pay less than that, and that your your African Americans nine times out of ten more of us have to pay the higher premium to start our businesses, is because we don't have the economies of scale. We're not doing such large business yeah. that we can charge cheaper prices and still make a great profit. They can yeah. charge 50 cent a shoe, uh, or excuse me, they can charge, or excuse me, make shoes for 50 cent a piece, mm-hmm. then charge $1,000 and get all their money back, or charge $100 and get all their money back. Mm-hmm. But if I pay $15 a shoe, I'm gonna need to charge a little bit more to make some more of my money back. That's just mm-hmm. the way that it works. So, like, we have to support each other in these beginning stages and in the building stages so that we can get to the further levels to where it's like, oh, well, now we got a black business that has enough behind them to be a dollar store. And they're yeah. not losing profit. You know, right. they need to be able to sell cheap products, cheaper products 
for cheaper price products and it's not killing their business. Right now, for most people, if they go below a certain profit margin or below a certain number, it starts to hurt them and they start to lose money. And like, I think a lot of people not having experience being a business owner and not having experience, at least a, a basic full understanding of economics, they end up losing touch with that and they don't value the, the, the actual process of it. Yeah, that's real. I think to touch on that too, like Nike is such a big brand and people want to affiliate themselves with Nike because other people that they look up to or admire or affiliate or choose or openly promote Nike. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you expect for us as black people to have brands that are comparable to that if you don't try or if you don't support or if you aren't vocal or if you don't pay full price? Like we'll never, we'll never reach a Nike level if we don't support each other to get to a Nike level. Nike is successful because everybody fucking supports Nike. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> so exactly. Like, we can't be mad when we're not, we don't have a Nike level brand or own Nike related brand or Nike caliber brands rather because mm -hmm. we just haven't put that, that support behind the brands that we do have. Just uh, another example, just like taking it up just a tad bit further. Like, um, and I didn't order any, I, I was broke. Now I'm gonna let y'all know it. And I, so I can't speak to the quality of it because I heard that was part of the issue. But for example, like the big baller brand shoe, mm. all I kept on hearing all around, you know, seeing on the internet, different stuff like that was, oh, them shoes too expensive. But you go buy J's every month. Like, wait, what? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if, if you don't support the shoe while it's expensive and we get big baller brand up to the point to where they own their own factories and stuff like that, They'll never get to the point where they can charge cheaper than $300, $400 for a shoe because they need that for profit. Exactly. And then we're never going to be in a position, and this is no knock to Jordan for the deal that he created, but we'll never be in a position to where we're a standalone brand either. Mm. We always have to partner with other brands like Nike underwrites Jordan. And every other shoe, every other basketball shoe that people really wear is a product of Nike, right? So, like, how do you expect to have another like major entity business entity that's taken over or at least like competition in that area if y'all don't support it but i think to get there yeah. we this 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 is what we're doing this this is how we're gonna this is the wave i told you it's a movement right. educating the children that'll get them started on a better path right. what we're doing with the podcast that can help people you know our all of all different ages get yeah get, get educated and get the moving in the right path. I think it's just gonna have to be like one of the things that like we as a culture start to understand overall. Right. If we if we understood economics as well as we understood everything dealing with the man, I promise we'd be a lot further ahead in, in this country, y'all. Right. It, it's like you said just a little minute ago though. It's, it's, it's the renaissance, bro. It's happening, it's a vibe, it's a wave. That's why I like, it's gonna keep pushing, we're gonna keep growing. And it's just going to be lit. I'm telling you, 10 years from now, just wait on Y'all mark my words. It's going to be lit. But that's going to uh, be crazy, though, because then 10 years from now, we get to see the effects of, like, the children that you talk. Like, how, yeah. how well are they budgeting their money now? You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's going to be cool to me. Like, that type of stuff is cool to me to watch the development of how it, like, it pans out, the, the compound interest over the years. Yes, yes. I'm excited. I want to see, hopefully, you know, they find it inspirational and start their own businesses. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And even if I never know that, you know what I mean? Like knowing this business was created by this student that I work with or, you know, whatever. I, I, that's just, that's the, the payment that I get. That's way better than money. Right. Like money is important, but 
the value of really looking at a child and changing the child's life or changing their path, the trajectory, trajectory, excuse me, of their path is like, it's crazy. When you get that email 15 years from now, like you inspired me to start my business. I'm yes. making this much yearly. I'm, I'm going to be reading the email crying like, oh. <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> that was lit, man. I, I'm ready, though. Yeah. But we're going to go ahead and we're going to pivot to the last, the last little segment of the show. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and. Do what's on your timeline, Ms. Kiara. We just want to ask, you know, what's something that you've seen on social media that you thought was impactful that you just wanted to speak on that that the the family should hear about? Um, I recently saw, I think it was the Shade Room, post a um, picture of Jay Morrison's most recent mm-hmm. class. And it was like the biggest like street class in the Bronx. Um, and he does like the street economic classes. I think that's so awesome. And I, I really want to give him a shout out for, I, you know, I haven't followed him as closely, but I do know what he has been doing and how he's been trying to create, you know, opportunities to educate people, the like investment funds where he goes and you can put your money in a fund and go buy a building to get like all of those things that he's really trying to put in place to help really buy back the block and buy up and create opportunities for wealth for black people. I think that that's amazing. And that it's even more amazing because he's going to areas where America will make you feel like nobody is smart enough to learn. Mm-hmm. He's going to the hood, quote unquote, he's going to inner city urban areas and teaching people and people are receptive, like extremely receptive to it. So that debunks that whole nonsense of like, Ignorance is learned, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. people don't realize that like, just because you're a certain race or you're in a certain background, or excuse me, you're in a certain neighborhood doesn't mean that you're just inherently ignorant. It's where you seek and what type of information you seek. So I just want to give him a shout out. I thought that was awesome. I, I would love to see him continue to do that and really like continue to support black people as we're trying to learn and grow. And, and, and I'm sure it's not just black people, but the majority of who he's been targeting, the people that I've seen, are us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Shout out to Jay Morris. We got to get that oh, man yeah. on the podcast. Like, we got to get Jay on the podcast. I'm so sure. Yeah, shout out to Jay, too, because he just uh, beat part of his legal battles that are going on with the Tulsa Real Estate Fund. If you think He got you know. the feds off his yeah, back. Yeah, he got the feds off his back. He still got to pass the SEC. <laughs> but, hey, man, congrats. We still rocking with you. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we can't wait to see what the Tulsa Real Estate Fund is going to do for the community, bro. Yeah. I was so happy to see that post, man. When he, when he was saying, like, the, the legal cases was starting to get handled and stuff, they they coming out. But I was just in this. I was like, this <laughs> Rick Ross, boy. These niggas can't hold me back. <laughs> So, Kiara, yes. where can the people find you? Where can they keep up with you uh, if they want to purchase a book? What's yeah. some? Uh, yeah, what's up? Plug what's up with it? Yeah, let it. Okay. So first thing I'm gonna need everybody to do is pull out their phones because I know everybody's got a smartphone, and make sure that you go on Instagram. Uh-huh. And you search Adventures of the Money Mavens. So the book series, The Adventures of the Money Mavens, that's the main page for our series. So that's the first thing. Shut the camera. 
Then hold on and let me make sure I plug in my computer before my computer dies. Like uh yes, that's it right there. Um excuse me. And then the next thing that I would like for y'all to do is to check out the website. So the website is www.moneymavenscrew.com. Um, and that's where you can find information about the series, information about the curriculum, where you can get in contact with me. Um, if you'd like me to come out and do a program for your school or um, to talk about getting books for your classroom or, or program. Um, so that's another place. If you want my personal Instagram, my Instagram is Kiara, K-I-A-R-A-I-M. Um, and that's, that I talk about like my book series on there, but that's more of just my personal page where people can get, get in contact with me. And all of my books are available on Amazon as well as Barnes and Noble and a number of international retailers as well. So if you go on Amazon and you search The Adventures of the Money Mavens um, or Barnes and Noble, both books will come up, book one and book two. It's back to school time. Get them books for your kids that's about to yeah. go to school, man. Yeah. Yes, Most yes. Definitely. And then any teacher followers we got or anybody that's listening, hey, y'all. Get them for your class. By getting a flute out, get y'all that program going. Hey. Yes, yeah. yes. I'm a, I'm going to start posting. I posted on my story recently, but I'm going to post it on my actual timeline. Um, I'm going to start doing bookings for the fall semester for beginning um, with the school year. So if you do have a class that you would like me to come visit, even if it's just a talk, even if it's not a curriculum integration, that's fine. Um, and if you have a conversation where, you know, I can't come out to your school, but you'd like to use them as a tool for learning, we can talk about that as well. Like maybe a professional development type of uh, conversation or lesson for the teachers in your school district or for the teachers at your school. Um, I, I am based in Ohio and I'll be pre presenting at an out of school conference that talks about like after school programming and things like that. So if you have an after school program, um, that's another thing that I would say um, I can help you out with or I can we can have a conversation about and I'm working on getting my professional development certification through the state of Ohio to help educate the educators here. But if you're in other states doesn't just limit to Ohio, I can try to help you as well. Let's hey, go. Yo, get at him. Let's go. Get at him. This <laughs> woman is doing some great things for thank the culture. You. A whole renaissance woman out here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank y'all because I really admire, you know, what you've been doing. And like you both have been very, you know, supportive of me since the first time you reached out, since the first time we had a conversation about uh, Black Wealth Renaissance and my books and stuff. So I, I really appreciate that because I think this is a model of behavior for our, our community too, right? Like we can all support each other and uplift each other and be positive and, and be successful together, like versus just like competing against each other. Like competition is great, but winning together is better in my opinion. Always. Collaboration over competition, yeah. baby. He oh. dropping so. <laughs> Oh, but yeah. she about made me cry. She said, we sound like the mother. <laughs> I hate this dude. This dude, you know, my nerves, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, Kier, we really appreciate you coming on the show. It was been, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. So glad yeah, you could come out here episode. and drop all this knowledge and had just this great-ass conversation. We yeah. dove into a couple rabbit holes yes. and a little bit more on the black culture. We're going to talk about that stuff more. Okay, okay. Yeah, hopefully this lived up to the Jordan slash LeBron expectation. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I definitely think it did. <laughs>
Well, thank y'all. It was great to talk with y'all. And I look forward to seeing more from you as well. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. We definitely got more about to start popping up, too. We're about to start doing more meetups and everything, guys. So y'all be on the lookout for that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right before we get out of here, we're going to just do a little couple of housekeeping items. You know how we normally do. So uh, everybody, we are building directories. We're trying to link black professionals to the community. So we are looking for all realtors uh cpas financial advisors lawyers uh, lawyers just any black professional that you know of please tell them to reach out to us we are trying to get that information together because like we said we want to provide the resource with the i mean the resource the community with the resources that we need um we also uh everybody check out the website blackworldrenaissance.com we have uh weekly blogs getting posted up there dropping some game on different topics for you guys. We also have uh, the courses. We have free resources and tools like the calculator. You can calculate your debt uh, to income ratio, your mortgage. It, it's a whole lot of shit, man. We got to get Money Mavis on the, on the, on the website, man. We got to become an affiliate, man. We, awesome. definitely, we definitely can talk about that and, and figure out how that comes together. Um, Cause like I said, I support what Black World Renaissance is doing. So yeah, maybe. All right, most definitely. Yeah, we're trying to get books on the course on the uh, website too, so we can start supporting our Black authors and get y'all material out there. Um, also, Patreon, y'all definitely sign up for our Patreon if you want to support the podcast, support us, being able to go to meetups around the country. Um, go to the Patreon. We're going to be offering some dope content for you guys, some extra bonus content, off-camera uh, content. We'll be offering one-on-ones where you can just talk to us and hit us up. Yeah, and it, uh, it starts at a dollar. I think yeah. that's one thing we failed to mention. To it's, yeah, it's it's several tiers. It starts at a dollar. Just it, It's not so much just about, like, you know, the money. It's also a thing of support. We really want to continue to push Black Wolf Renaissance out there. We're trying to get off of the media and into the community yeah. as much as possible and everything you guys do can help toward that What's that? Right. Kelly, Jared y'all got anything y'all want to add? Uh, just y'all check out the merch um, we do have some some photos of it going up on the page and everything uh, you know if y'all want to see how it looks on the actual person and everything like that so it's going up y'all check out the merch check out the courses that we got available um, y'all just check out everything that we we provide to y'all as far as the website. Uh, please keep sending people for the directories. Like we said, that is one big thing. Like we talk about group economics and spending our money with each other. That's only possible if we know who to spend the money with. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, y'all work with us on that type of stuff. We trying to build out something for everybody. You know, it's it's not just us. It's for everybody. We got we got the ebook on the way. It's coming. It's, yeah. it's getting filled out. The, the ebook is coming soon, soon. Yeah, so it's gonna be free. By the way, we got a lot of stuff on the way, like always. Okay. So without further ado, y'all, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up the show. This is Black Wealth Renaissance signing out. Peace. Yeah.
Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.